Hello and welcome to the episode 84 of the Best for Death podcast. I am Mitch and with me is Joe. As hey, always, Mitch. how are you? I'm very well. Excellent. And as we've been doing, we're working our way through the alphabet and we are up to the letter Y. Why? Why? Because we want to. Because we want to. It's a bit English, isn't it? It is. A bit Chevy. We could have done that for our D episode for Daphne and Celeste, isn't it? Is that Daphne? No, it's Billy, Billy Piper. Piper. Thank you very much. Oh my much. God, I can't God. believe I got that wrong. You're Welsh, not meant to know your English. But anyway, speaking of the English, we are doing Y for the young ones. Yes. Yep. That Cliff Richards 1964 classic film, The Young Ones. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's that why we're doing that. That look is, is saying we're not doing that. Why do you hate Cliff Richard? I don't hate Cliff Richard. I think Cliff's great. Ah. No, we're not doing oh. The Young Ones. Why the do movie. I get it wrong every time? We're doing the 1982 British comedy sitcom classic, The Young Ones. Oh, how can you call it a classic? It's only got 12 episodes. That's two seasons. Yes, I know. That, that's more than some other English TV shows. Correct. For some reason, six episodes is a season. And this probably makes it more iconic. Yeah. Faulty Towers is the same, isn't it? Two seasons, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, and everyone remembers those. Of course they do. As opposed to when you get 70 episodes or something, it's like, which one's that one again? Yeah. So, yeah. So, the young ones. All right, so we'll go through a bit of a blurb about what The Young Ones was, and then maybe we'll talk about our own personal experience with The Young Ones. Okay. So, do you want to give us a rundown of what The Young Ones was? No, not really. No? You don't want to mention that it was written by Ben Elton and Rick Mayall and Lise Mayer? So, it came out in 1982. Don't want to mention that either. And, (laughs) coincidentally, (laughs) it came out on November the 9th, 1982. So, we're... 35 years and a few days. Oh, that was opportunity. From the birthday of the no, We ones. planned this from the start of the year. We How did. good were we to get to this? No, no, we didn't. It's pretty coincidental, though, isn't it? Coincidental. 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 No, it's got nothing to do with teeth. <laughs> anyway, so the young ones. Shouldn't is, be afraid. <laughs> no, they shouldn't. It's a situation comedy yep. revolving around. Four lads. Lads who are uni students. Yep. Although you never see them go to uni. No. And they live in a very share scummy share house. Oh, disgusting. And they are played by Adrian a, Edmondson. Who plays Vivian. Yes. Vivian Bastard. The punk with the stars embedded in his forehead. Mm-hmm. There is Nigel Planner, who is Neil the Neil. Yep. Mike the Cool Person, played by Christopher Ryan. Yep. And Rick Mayle playing Rick. Rick with a silent P. Mm-hmm. And also, Alexi Sale. Alexi Sale plays revolving characters of the Belowski family. family, including their landlord and a couple of other people that just turn up in separate episodes. But the premise basically is a bunch of kids that are uni kids living in a share house getting up to hijinks. Yeah. On paper, doesn't sound that good. No, 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 no. But I think what makes it what it is, is the fact that it came at a time where people were experimenting with how much they could get away with on television. Bit of that. And I, I think it's an age thing. Like watching it again now, there was a definitely a nostalgia factor to it. But if I, if I was to watch this new, at my age now watching it, would you just stop yelling? <laughs> so I think... It, at the time, it was anarchistic in a way, and they even took the piss in one episode of To the Men Are Born on one of those sort of shows. The Good Life. The Good Life, sorry. And I think it was a throw against that. Like, it was sort of like, we are not that sort of show. No. This is this is for the kids. This is for... Young adults. Yeah, young My adults. young adults. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you could compare it a lot to Monty Python and those yeah. sort of things, so it's sort of like the next 
Well, for me, what generation it, of that sort of thing, or the goodies? Like, yeah, yep. exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say if it wasn't for Monty Python in the sixties and the goodies in the seventies, yep. we would never have got the young ones in the eighties. No, and I can't really think of a a nineties equivalent other than probably oh the Mighty Boosh, obviously, yeah, probably Mighty Boosh. But I was thinking more even just in the same lines with Bottom or something like that. That that was a continuation. Rick and Adrian went on really? to be. Yeah. Well, as okay. far as our personal feelings about the young ones, it aired here on ABC. I'm not sure if we got it in 1982 when it came out. I, I, I remember watching it, but I thought it was a much later. Yeah, I'm talking uh, 86, I'm thinking. Well, that's what I was trying to work out. I can remember the episode called Interesting where they have the party. And there's a scene in that party where Rick's talking to a girl and going through what she's got in her handbag. And she has a tampon in her handbag. And Rick's doing the little, oh, it's a mouse. And he's dancing it around and he pops it in the drink and it swells up, obviously. And he's like, well, the mouse is sick or something. But I can remember that and then going to school the next day and talking to my friends about how I watched The Young Ones and how good it was. But I'm sure I was already in high school when I did that. So I think it probably would have been 85, 86-ish. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. Because I don't have it written down here but when this the living doll single came out because that was i definitely knew who they were by that point yeah so and i can't remember when that was yeah um actually i do have it written down in my notes 1986 was the comic relief special so it must have been 85 we got it here at the very latest yeah i, I kind of think it was that sort of a few years after it had actually happened in england mm. i don't know if it had originally been on and we were just watching repeats when we were old enough to understand it or or what but i do remember watching it a lot when i was a kid i must have too because what re-watching and i'm like i know this word for word how did that happen? Well, I think probably in the early 90s when I first moved out of home, I had it on video. video. Have you got a video? Yes, we've got a video. (laughs) And I can remember watching it on video. So I think it was a combination of watching it when I was young and impressionable and then watching it again when I was sort of that same age as the characters in the show are. And I must have rewatched it a lot because, yeah, there was lines in episodes that I just knew word for word. And there's a couple of bits in, in each episode where Alexis Sale comes in as his various different characters. And he's normally got sort of a, a weirdly European accent but then he'll break character and look at the camera and talk in his normal accent and he'll make you know just weird lines and all that sort of stuff but a, a lot of those I remembered word for word. Yeah it's more the asides like um, the people's poet is dead why are the people crying? I couldn't tell you what episode anything's from but just little random bits here like some of these bricks explode brilliant. <laughs> it's like I say that in my head so many times regularly it's just one of those. A lot of them I realise I say to myself like yep. situations just happen and you go Oh, yeah, and you've got a quote in your head that you don't say out loud because people think you're crazy. Kind of like the, could you ever love a cripple? <laughs> <laughs> and if you have seen that episode, that'll make more sense. So it's it, it's a strange show. Like, being impressionable in 85, I would have been 12. So I must have seen it by that point, yep. if not a, definitely around 12, 13. So very impressionable. These were the coolest guys ever. And it was just like, and this is rebellious comedy. So for me, it was exciting and new and and dangerous. It felt kind of dangerous, I suppose. And what it was, because it's a show I'd never seen anything like it. I'm watching The Cosby Show. I'm watching Growing Pains. I'm watching Family Ties. What about back then? Well, yeah. <laughs> and now I'm watching Fuller House. No, but yeah, so so for me, this was like, wow. And I mean, I grew up watching English stuff as well, because we, being in Australia, we actually got a good mix of English TV. 
Yeah, I think back in the 80s we got more English stuff. Well, Channel 7 seemed to, because I was watching On the Buses, Mind Your Language, Love Thy Neighbour, all those sort of things. I grew up watching a lot of the carry-on movies. So I had a very English mentality when it comes to the sitcoms, yeah, uh, comedies. Yeah. So, yeah, this wasn't a big stretch as far as that goes, but it was, like I said, it felt kind of dangerous. For a 12, 13-year-old, it was kind of dangerous. Well, it was, because they swore a little bit. They used bastard quite a bit. Bastard. Repeatedly in lots of episodes. There was the whole violence sort of of them smacking each other in the head. And Vivian especially with breaking windows. and Losing his head. Getting a pick through the head. And Yeah, exactly. It was just something that you didn't see in your average sitcom. No. And I had not I had seen the goodies, I suppose. I was living on the goodies at that point. So it was like the extreme goodies, yeah. I suppose, to me, because I didn't hadn't seen Monty Python by that point. But yeah, it, it's a strange show in the fact that it does have those weirder sides. And the goodies did have that too. So it wasn't hard for me to watch. So it wouldn't be like I'm, I'm watching this show going, I don't understand what's going on because I had grown up on the goodies. And you just have those weirder sides. And they push it to the limit where you've got, like you said, would you, could you ever love a cripple? It's, it, there's a scene opening the show where you've got a guy from a poster sitting down, God, or someone who looks like someone dressed as God, just yep. comes out of a room. There's a chip and a carrot roller skating on a plate. There's all these weird surreal elements going on. Yep. And then when everyone wakes up, they all sort of go back to their positions in the room and it just plays out as per normal. So things like that I never really seen before either, I don't think. Yeah, and it's funny because you see asides like that in other shows now. Like the, the classic example would be Family Guy, how they have <laughs> the little asides that just mean absolutely nothing. But, you know, if it wasn't for the young ones, maybe that wouldn't be there either. Oh, I, I think Monty Python had that. Not to the to weird sort of levels. And the Mighty Boosh have done it since as well. Hmm. Like you're going off to the moon random stuff going on. Yeah, so it's quite funny. There is a formula almost to the show yeah. where you have the four characters. So you've got, like we said, you went Rick, who's the wannabe anarchist, who's obviously not very, and he just wants to be. And he, he think, he's delusional as to his popularity and likes and that he hates... He hates Neil. Everyone hates Neil. Neil is the hippie who yep. just wants to kill himself because just everything's down, man. You've got Vivian, who's the punk, like you said, and then you've got Mike, the cool person, who you like and I can't stand. But that's I just think Mike has all the best lines, but as you said, he, his he's delivery the worst isn't actor, great. and they're terrible. His delivery is terrible. Um, what gets me is they break the fourth wall a lot, mm. and Mike always seems to be the one that something will happen and he'll look at the camera and deliver that line. See, I, I like the lines, but you just don't like the delivery. I, I don't. Think. Like him, because it was never meant to be him. Because the, the history of the young ones is there's a bunch of comedians that were working out of a comedy room regularly. And yep. then they end up starting their own. And between one of the guys who would have been the Mike character, but he ended up not getting it, and someone else, they ended up getting two TV shows at the same time. So there's a show called The Comic Strip Presents, yep. and there's The Young Ones. Now, it pretty much has the same cast in both. One's on ITV and the other's on BBC Two. Yep. And they debuted within a week of each other. Exactly a week, yep. So Mike is the only one not of that original crew that worked together. So he was a ring-in. I don't know. He's a fleet with any of them but he sort of came in so you but, sort of wonder if it was Ben Elton in that role would it be different I don't know I, I just I don't know if it was meant to be Ben Elton it was someone Richardson or something I think his name was mm. but yeah obviously because he did the comic strip rather than the young ones they brought in Mike but Christopher Ryan is that his name mm-hmm. yeah he turns up again in Bottom which is Rick Mail well, and Adrian well, Edmondson's follow-on show yep and he's in that well, quite a the bit. The second as, follow-on show after yes. Filthy Rich and Capflap. Yeah, but he's in that as Dave Hedgehog and he's like one of the recurring characters. But Is he better in that? Yeah, I think so. Okay. But it's an ensemble with him and Spudgun, so that's what makes them 
Spudkin. Spudkin's like the big fat dude with the beard. I don't, I don't You know. don't know Bottom. No. But anyway. But getting back <laughs> I know to, Bottom. Getting back to the comic strip presents, they actually did a couple of seasons of specials, and they also did a really good one called Four Men in a Car, which is pretty much the three young ones except for Mike, for Mike as travelling salesmen who get stranded in the middle of nowhere, and I think it's French and Saunders are in that one as well. Oh, they're in all of them, yeah. Yeah. But well, that, that's getting to that. It's like the, the amount of cameos you would say, but back probably when this was made, they weren't stars. They were just sort of up and coming other comics. But you go through the list of people that are in it that have become bigger and better, better since then. Obviously, Ben Elton was one of the writers and he turns up in quite a few episodes. Well, you just go to the um, University Challenge episode. And in that episode, you have as guest stars, you've got Robbie Coltrane, and the guy who comes to talk to him bringing in an elephant is Baldrick from Black yep. Hatter. They meet Bambi, which is the host of the show, and that's Griff Reese Jones from that's Les Smith and Jones. Yeah. The security guard security is Mel Smith. Security guard is Mel yep. Smith. And the team they're up against in University Challenge is Hugh Laurie, Stephen Fry, Emma Thompson, and Ben Elton. Ben Elton. Yeah. It's just like fucking hell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, like literally, it's the 80s in British comedy. Throw in Lenny Henry. Well, he turns up in another episode as well. I think he plays a postman or something. Is in that uh, they not. weren't in that episode. But they've been in plenty of others. Dawn French turns up in a couple of episodes. Mm. The episode with the party, she comes to the door and she's like a you know, a religious sort of yep. person knocking on the door telling them that they shouldn't be having parties and living in sin. She's also the Easter Bunny in another episode. And yeah, so it's pretty much yeah. the go-to, except there's the only two I'd say would be, well, you said Lenny Henry's in there, probably Rowan Atkinson's the only one I can think of who Yeah, isn't. and I think at that stage Rowan Atkinson was probably a bigger name. Probably. That's probably why he's not in it. But Hale and Pace turn up oh, in turn one up episode. In one, yep, the, right. the Grave Diggers mm. in the, the episode with the video nasty. And actually Dawn French is in that one as well as the, the ad. Yeah, so it, it, it's. I mean, you look at that and you go, it is. Uh, the British comedy seems to do that. Yeah. Like, you got the. Monty Python did it and they were sort of like the staple, and Tim Brooke Taylor and a few others came out of that era. So, not the nine o'clock show, or not the. At last, the 1947 show or something. Yeah, not, not the 9 o'clock news, it was. No, no, no. no. Oh, before that. Before that, yeah. Yeah, so that's where the Monty Python came out of that, where yeah. Tim Brooke Taylor was part of those, but he didn't go with Monty Python. Then, 70s was the goodies. And yep. you probably had a lot of people cameoing in that that we don't know that were probably British. Yeah, people. I know. Definitely Robbie Coltrane was in one episode of The Goodies. Mm. So you got the 80s. And then you look at things like the Mighty Boosh and Spaced and things like that from the 90s and 2000s. Yeah. Yep. It's like, oh, you can sort of see that everyone sort of ties together and everyone seems to know each other from those comedy scenes. Yeah. Well, so it must come from the comedy rooms. It, yeah. I think it must do. Well, there is a Monty Python link to the young ones because Terry Jones is actually in one of the He's episodes the as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a strange show in the fact that you've got these four students who don't go to uni. They're lazy. They're terrible. They're horrible people. They don't get along. They fight continuously. And that's pretty much the plot of the show. But yeah. it's just absurd. It's like yeah. it's an absurd farce. And like I said before, if I'd seen it without any context now at this age, I probably wouldn't be into it like I was back then because it was just guys yelling at each other. It's constantly yelling. I still find it funny because I find it familiar. But man, do they yell. Because I've been trying to watch this at night. Like when everyone's got the bed and it's like, oh my God, just stop yelling. But yeah, everything's switched to 11. There is no letdown on this show. It is constant. It's quick. It's risky. It's rock and roll in, in, in a sense. Yeah. It just really and it's clever. Like it's it's not super clever, like oh these guys are like sub, you know, they're not being subversive or anything like that. But every now and then they'll throw in a gag and say, like, Oh, you are 
you are being. But yep. it's not like others where you're going, oh, you're a bit too clever for your boots here. No, it's still pretty, you know, bogeys and farts and but they poo do, jokes. They do kind of go lowest common denominator for a lot of things. There is and a lot of an Oscar Wilde joke yeah, in there. But like, there is mm. a lot of puns and there's a lot of really obvious sight gags. But then, as you were talking before we started recording, there is so many little bits that are so clever when you think about them, like the matchbox. <laughs> Whereas there's a matchbox that just sits there in the background in one scene and he's like, don't look at me, I'm, in- was it inconsequential? <laughs> it's, a, it's got consequential. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's got every type of humour in there. Like there's, like I said, there's farce, there's slapstick, it's like vaudeville in that way. And there's a bit where they're digging a grave and someone walks past saying, do you dig graves? And Neil's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> and that, that's like there's the other episode where they go down to the pub because they're bored and Vivian's mum is actually the bartender in the pub and Vivian's like, oh, she got arrested for shoplifting or something like that. And, and Neil's like, oh, she doesn't look strong enough to lift a shop. Yeah, so the obvious jokes and then there's not so obvious. It's, it's There's definitely a lot going on and I find most of it funny, which through nostalgia again. But it's just the pacing. It's exhausting to watch because mm. you are bombarded by literally audibly, you're bombarded by the volume and it's just it doesn't stop. It's boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And it, it's, and I, I've talked about it. I think I talked about it a little bit on this podcast, but I watched a movie a couple of years ago called Beasts of the Southern Wild. Yes. And there's a scene in it where they just dump a whole lot of seafood on the table. We, we and, have talked about yes. this. <laughs> and I felt physically sick looking at it. One, I don't like seafood, so that didn't help. But watching this again, I was feeling quite ill watching it because it's filthy. Yeah. The whole thing is just gross. Like it's yeah. got that David Fincher tone to it where it's grey brown and everything's filthy to touch and you look at it going, that's just gross. It and kind I mean, of kind of reminds me of my house in Glen Huntley. Yeah, a bit of that. Because <laughs> I never went through that whole share house experience and I guess it's all based on, you know, it's turned up to 11 but it's based on the reality. I mean, there's an episode where they're having a bath. It's like, oh, the water looks a bit dirty. It's like, well, blame Vivian because he was in it before me and Mike was in it before him and you were in it last week so it's your filth. Yeah, you know, and then he like, pulls his bike out of the bath. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, the British are famous for not washing and things like that. So, you know, that's the old joke. And all those sort of things, and then obviously being pop students and stuff like that, it takes that stereotype to the level as well. And it's just well, there is the other episode. I think it is actually the university challenge episode at the start, where they're going down to the laundromat to wash their clothes, <laughs> and it's like I haven't washed. What Vivian say? I haven't washed my knickers for two hundred and sixty nine days or yep. something because it's like wearing it frontwards, backwards, inside out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's some great little moments. Like, they do a lot of puppetry and weird things like that. It looks cheap. Like, it's a one set, but they manage to destroy it every episode. Mm. And, you know, they do weird puppets that look quite impressive yep. in how they do it. Like, because they weren't going to the laundry mat and they're going, Vivian, what have Vivian's socks got out? And it's actually there and it's puppeteer going, you're not going to take me alive. And they're, like, attacking this sock and it's talking back. It's absurd and you can't describe it because it's not funny. And you can ruin it for so many people by trying to explain it to people because you just can't do it justice. And you can also ruin it by over-quoting it to people. Yeah. Back, which I'm sure I did way back Oh, I reckon I definitely time. did back in the time. But Another iconic part of the show is, is music. And one of the reasons they had the music on the show was to get a bigger budget because of the BBC funding. If it was a variety show, it actually got more money than just a comedy show. So every episode bar one had, had a musical act on, including like The Damned, a few bands I didn't remember. Like they never went on to anything, but Madness were on twice. Twice, yes. Uh, Motorhead. And they had the classic line in the sick episode where Mike goes down to the chemist to get them some drugs or something, and Neil's like, oh, 
I hope Mike comes back with the cure and, and Rick turns around and goes, or is it Vivian? One of them turns around and goes, no, no it's, it's madness, madness this week. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember those performances by not knowing the band. Like I didn't know Motorhead at the time. No, I it reckon that's a- probably the first time I'd ever heard Motorhead. I obviously knew Madness. I, I knew of The Damned, but I didn't know the song that they sang, the video nasty. Yeah. And I don't think I probably would have not known who Alexis Sale was outside of The Young yeah. Ones themselves. So I yeah. can't remember when Hello John Got New Motor was. But yeah, it's a very iconic part of the show, which we nearly forgot to mention. But yeah, it's it's yeah, it's part of it. Yeah, and I'm not sure if they actually went on to launch careers of any of the bands. I, I don't think any of the unknown bands ever went on to anything else. There must have been something first. I think Nina Cherry was the lead singer of one of the bands. Was she? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the one where there are lots of saxophones and they're dancing around looking very okay. jungly. Okay. Something else I noticed re-watching them now is there was a lot of things that young impressionable me probably wouldn't have picked up on. Like the episode where they're having the party and, and Neil's actually smoking a bong. Yeah. And I, th- I don't think I, I probably know what wouldn't have known was, what it was at yeah, that time. But yeah, he takes this hit off this bong and then sort of floats out of the room. And it's like, <laughs> I wonder if I picked up on that when I was a kid. And there's no, another, I wouldn't know when the tampon was. No. And there's another episode that I can't believe that anyone would ever get away with it now. And there's a policeman <laughs> with his dark sunglasses on having a go at a man knocking on a door because he thinks he's of dark skin. And he uses a couple of very colourful racial words to describe this man. Mm-hmm. And there is absolutely no way you could get away with that well, on television today. It's done for laughs in the fact that he's racist. Yes. So therefore... Could you get away with it? You probably shouldn't. No, is the fact. But yeah, it's not. It's not made. It's not. It's done for laughs at the expense of. So you probably couldn't in that way. But it's the fact that the cops are racist asshole. So therefore, you're highlighting that he's a racist asshole. Maybe you might be able to get away with it for that reason. I think you could almost get away with it. Mm. It kind of reminded me of that joke from Kentucky Fried Movie, mm. where Dangerous Dave, the stuntman, where he drops the N word in front of the big group. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes, things like that though. It, it's very. Prom- Probably you could say political for the time. There's a lot of references to Thatcher destroying the world, especially from Rick being Well, that's Rick because he's the anarchist and the Marxist and the Leninist and whatever he is. He's anti-Thatcher, yep. but, you know, deep down. And it's funny because they're all studying. So he's a soci- sociology student. Neil's yep. studying peace. Is he? Yes, apparently. Vivian's actually training to be a doctor. And, and was it Mike's? Mike's School of Hard Knocks. or The School of Life, he actually yeah, school says of in life. the episode where Neil's parents rock up. Yeah, so it it's just sort of reinforces the stereotype of the type of characters that they are. Yeah. yeah it's interesting because, I mean, then the relationships between the characters. So you got Mike the cool person who's this wannabe gangster. Got the one-liners. He's talking about his sexual prowess and he's always got some sort of scam going on. And he, Yeah, he's well-dressed compared to the other ones and he has those weird tinted glasses on most of the time. Time. Yep. And then you've got Rick, who's the anarchist or whatever. And, and we didn't mention, but Rick is actually a Cliff Richard fan, and that's what ties into the whole Young, young, young Ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so all the characters sort of are strange in that, I mean, they obviously have their tropes, and that's where they're, they're studying, and it sort of defines them as a character. So you've got this anarchist who secretly is a conservative and is into Cliff Richard and all this sort of stuff. But Vivian's kind of the smart one, where Rick's dumb. He doesn't understand anarchy. He doesn't understand, like, communism and those sort of things. It's very obvious that he's confused and just wants to be popular where Vivian shows like he can trick up a vacuum cleaner to be super powerful he can attach create bombs he can create elixirs that make his hair fall out he can create an elixir that'll turn people into homicidal maniacs axe wielding homicidal maniacs it's a cure for people who aren't (laughs) you know 
ex-wielding homicidal maniac. So he, he's quite clever, but just totally an anarchist, a real one who just doesn't care. And such an 80s punk thing. Like, because punks were a thing back then for me. It's sort of like they were yeah. people to be feared. And they were sort of the other that you never saw them around in Watsonia. I can tell you now, there weren't many around, but Vivian was just so hardcore. Um, well, see, I grew up with a skinhead for an older brother. So oh, well. I, I saw punks all the time when I was a kid. That's very different to me. Yeah, so, so the character tropes were interesting in their connections with each other. So you had Vivian who just sort of yells at everyone. But he hates Rick, like more than anything. He yep. hates Rick. And he will hit him and slapstick. Like the amount of violence he inflicts on Rick is pretty amazing for a TV show. You got Neil, who just is a subservient Eeyore of the group. Yeah. You know, poo. Yeah, he makes all their food, but he also the butt of all the jokes and just what was him but he's sort of I mean he gets yelled at by everybody but no one really hates him they just yell at him but he has copped his odd like, yeah. he, he cops enough hits and well, he got a bunch of nails in him didn't he when they tried to cure his cough or his sneeze and I think in, in the bomb episode Vivian smashes a kettle over his head Yeah, so he does cop it but he's just the perpetual victim and then there's Mike who's sort of like Rick wants to be his friend like you see, he sucks up to Mike all the time. Yeah, Rick hates Vivian, but he always cops the hit for it. But they just spar verbally, spar all the time, and then he generally cops it. Yeah, and Vivian seems to like Mike. Like he Everyone's, calls him Michael. Yeah, and he just sort of respects him. And even when he becomes El Presidente of the house, he becomes the enforcer to it. So he seems to be the underling under Mike for whatever reason. Yeah, everyone seems to like Mike, and Mike doesn't really cop it from anyone. Like they all kind of cop bashings from each other or little things from each other all the time. But Mike's the one that doesn't seem to have anything bad happen to him, except when he nails yeah, his, yeah, he nails his <laughs> legs to, to, to the, the table. table. Yeah, you mentioned that there was. Four housemates, yeah, yeah, plus the, the four housemates, Alexis Sale, yeah, Rick, N- Neil, Vivian, and Mike, yeah, yeah, the four, yeah. And as far as I remembered, there was only four housemates, but there, there was only four. There was a bit of an internet buzz, probably about two years ago, I think, where they talked about the mysterious fifth housemate. Yeah, and I didn't think anything of it at the time. I was like, oh yeah, one day I'll go back and watch it. And mm. I've seen a few still shots from scenes, yeah. and there always seems to be this sort of long-haired, possibly even female housemate that always sits sort of against on- the wall on the floor with the hair over their face. Yeah, and I thought, well, maybe that. That's just bits in some episodes. But going back and watching it again, it is actually noticeable. Yeah, there's a there's a, a couple of minute YouTube clip out there saying Young One's Fifth Housemate. Yeah. Go and have a look. Because, yeah, it's it's only season one. Yeah. But I think it's five episodes of season one, if not six. Yeah. And they're definitely there. Some of them it's in a party scene with other characters, so you wouldn't pick up on it being that's the fifth house meet but pretty much in the early scenes of the first episode they're there looking for it because i knew that it was there to look for in boring at the start when the godlike characters yep. dancing around and comes and jumps on the couch you definitely notice well, it's definitely there, there but there's also you got god coming out of a cupboard so yeah. you know, you're yeah. not questioning the character being there but when they're you know rick and vivian are watching the telly and there's just someone sitting in the background yeah you just don't notice it's like what? where did they where did that come Christ. from yeah, yeah so so it's interesting, isn't it? And it only took till, yeah, a couple of years ago for someone actually to point it out. And I think they asked one of the producers of the show or ben someone. Alton, I think it was. Yeah, and Ben Alton was like, oh, I don't and remember. It didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. But then someone else sort of said, one of the producers or one of the directors or someone actually mm. made reference to the fact that, oh, yeah, maybe it is there, I don't remember. Mm. It's like, how could you not remember having an extra? Well, there's a photo with the cast with it. With yeah, the there's character. a few photos. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, it's rather strange. But as I said, it was going back and watching it again now that I know that to look for it, it is noticeable. It's kind of freaky. Mm, very freaky. And so, I mean, it looks like the creature from the ring, you know, it's like coming through the telly, with yeah. the hair down and everything, which makes it a little bit creepier. Mm. 
But again, they make reference on a lot of the episodes, like when the TV inspector comes to get their TV license and Rick writes the letter going, it wasn't me, it was the other three. Like, you wouldn't say that if you knew there was a fifth house yeah. there, but yeah, anyway. Bizarre. Strange. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely a strange show, and it's it's definitely worth catching up with. It'd be interesting to see if anyone's not seen it before, just to see what they re- how they react to it, because yeah. it is in your face, definitely. But it, I mean, it's still funny. But I just find it quite interesting watching it again now, just feeling so. It's, it's gross. <laughs> like you're, you're living in filth, and I know they're meant to, but it's just <laughs> like it was quite unnerving for me, like seafood all over again. Yes. Now, this show, there was a poll in 2004 by the English, by the BBC. Well, I think it was by the BBC. Yeah. Saying, what is your favourite sitcom, British sitcom? And it came in at number 31. See, I'm surprised. I would have thought it would be higher. Well, depends who's voting and, and an age group. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've got the list. I've got the top 100. Okay. So, we don't, I'm, don't worry. We're not going to do the list of the top 100. We're only going to do the top 50. Yeah. <laughs> Without jumping the gun... Because mm, I'm mm. terrible at lists. <laughs> All right. My pick, because I, I haven't seen this list, mm-hmm. my pick, I would say, what year did you say it came out? 2004. 2004. I mean, that's another thing. It's sort of like, okay, you think what's come out since and what age people would be voting. And it was done online. It was, it's pretty pretty good. I see a lot. I would say that of the classics. Now, sitcoms, remember? Sitcoms, so Monty Python's yeah. not on here. No, because okay. that's a sketch comedy. Correct. I would think Faulty Towers would have to be in the top five. And if it was in 2004, I would think The Office might have got a bit of a run near the top. I was surprised that The Office wasn't high at all. Okay. And possibly... The Office is at 25. All right. Possibly Black Books might be another one that got a big mention around 2004 as well. No, Black Books is down low. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, pick a number that you're going to run from and we'll go through some of the list. Okay. So 31 is the young ones. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we were talking 2004. So you got people who are, you know, 30 years old voting. So you think they'd be the ones voting for it. So I thought it would be thereabouts. But, I mean, you look at this list, there's a lot of shows on here. There's also a lot of conservative people. (laughs) So So it has to be British sitcoms, though, doesn't it? Yes, yes. So the young ones is at 31. Okay. Let's give you a gist of what's around that. Hancock's half hour is at 30. As time goes by at 29. Dinner ladies at 28. So just going back to as time goes by, I thought sitcoms had to be comedies. That'd be funny too. (laughs) Uh, At 32, you got Till Death Do Us Part, The Thin Blue Line, at 34, which is Rowan Atkinson, which is quite yep. funny. Birds of a Feather at 38, which is fancy. I would have thought that would be higher. You think it would? I, I'm glad it's not, but yes, I didn't like that show at all. Really? Number 40 pains me to say, Heidi High. I fucking hated that show. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one about the holiday... Holiday camp, camp? thing. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So how about we count down the top 20? All right, let's do the top 20. Just to get opinions on these shows, all right? Okay. So, so number 20, one of my faves. Are you being served? Yes. I do. I agree. It's yep. on digital channels now, and I, I actually get to bed late because it pops up. And it's like, oh, I'll just watch a bit of her pussy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Royale Family, which I've never watched. No, 19. I don't know that either. 18, Red Dwarf. 
Yeah, I suppose you could class that as a sitcom, even though it's sci-fi. A sitcom. Hmm. 17, absolutely fabulous, which I think is pretty high for 2004. Yeah. Because the show's from 92, so it is 12 years old, but you think there'd be a lot of people who influenced like that. And there was a broad cross-section of people who watched it. It wasn't a... Like, Young Ones was a target audience of probably, you know, 16 to 32-year-old age cracker. Yeah. That's what I would have thought. Absolutely fabulous sort of broadened that. So you think, oh, there should be a lot of people liking that. Hmm. 16, men behaving badly, which See, makes I, sense. I quite like the first season of that. Yep. And then I kind of felt that they just kind of went off the rails. But Men Behaving Badly launched the careers of Not Neil Morrissey, who went on to be the voice of Bob the Builder. Oh, fair enough. 15, Steptoe and Son. Yeah, classic. Yep. Yep. Uh, Last of the Summer Wine at 14. Yeah, never really liked no. that. 13, I shall say this only once. Oh, hello, hello. Hello, hello, yes. You know, it's kind of, a, I was looking at other shows going, no, there's other shows funnier than this. Well, I don't know. I was flicking channels <laughs> the other day and it was on and I found myself sitting down and watching the whole half hour of Hello, Hello. Okay. You're stupid, woman. Keeping up appearances again with Hyathens bouquet. That's more of an older demographic that would have mm-hmm. watched that at the time, I think. Yep, number 11. You'll agree with this, Father Ted. Yes, especially yeah. the Eurovision episode. <laughs> number 10, One Foot in the Grave. Yeah, never I a big Did not fan. see that as a 90s show. Fuck, no. that was 1990. Really? Yeah, hmm. Jesus. Uh, the Good Life, which we've already had a movie for us tonight. Yes. yes. Uh, good show. Good show. Number eight, Open All Hours. Yeah. Grunville. <laughs> it cops a, a mention on our show quite a bit anytime someone stutters. So, yep, it's obviously yes. sunk in. Keeping up with that sort of theme, there is a link. Number seven, Porridge. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. Number six. Yes, Minister, which is very good fucking show. good show. Incredibly yes. clever. Mm-hmm. Number five we mentioned is Faulty Towers, yep. which I would have picked as number one. If you ask me what comedy stood the test of time, yeah. it would be Faulty Towers easily. Well, I thinking thought. about it now, I can't think of much that I would put above it, but there may be some surprises when you know. Oh, do you think you are kidding, Mr. Healer? Dad's Again, Army at number four. I, I always thought that sitcoms were meant to be funny. <laughs> I, I do remember watching a lot of Dad's Army when I was a kid, but I don't know if it was ever hilarious. Funny. I mean, it's an intriguing list just because obviously a very broad spectrum of people voted. Yeah. Because it was like, okay. Uh, number three, Vicar of Dibley. Yeah, which I, surprised. Oh, it's very yeah, funny. It's, it's and, very funny. Yeah. But obviously very popular over there. Yeah. To get that high on the list, it's like, okay, that's interesting. Because 94, so I was 10 years old at this point. It's not yep. like it's a fresh show, like you said, The Office and mm. things like that are around. Number two? A.N.F. Hopman. No, Blackadder. Ah, uh, yeah. Which makes sense, Yeah, totally. it does make sense. Yep. Totally. Yep. And number one, which surprised me, because I wouldn't have picked it, because I never really watched it. It was on. Only Fools and Horses. Correct. Really? Yeah. Okay. I can see why that would be up there. Personally, I wouldn't have put that as my favourite. Mm. But, yeah, it did have some really funny moments. I don't, I don't know it. Tell me about it. Like, I know it's the Young Ones podcast, but tell me about Only Fools and Horses because I know it was on. I remember it being a shitty little set that's meant to be like a cul-de-sac or a sort of a... Yeah, it's like, is it a dad and two brothers living in a little a cancel, house or cancel house or something? I don't know. And they're kind of con men that try and do dodgy deals and stuff. Is I that think. the minor? No. <laughs> No, mine, mine wasn't a sitcom. No. But yeah, I, I haven't watched a lot of Only Fools and Horses, but I do remember bits of it oh, are quite is, funny. This is the UK's number one most loved sitcom. There you go. So which where was the office? There was uh, 25. Okay. So I'm going, oh, let's go. Some mothers do have them at 22. Criminal. That should be higher. Yeah. Drop the Dead Donkey at 26. Great show. Mm-hmm. It was probably 14 years old and people don't remember it with nostalgia because it was so topical. Yeah. George and Mildred. Ah, uh, that is here. Uh, let's see what else we got. Fucking Heidi High. <laughs> God 
Damn, it offends me. Uh, League of Gentlemen 41. Now, that's fresh. That was 90, 1999, so it's still kind of new, but that's very... Yeah. It doesn't have the asides of the young ones, but it's got the grossness of the young ones. Yeah. Yeah. League of Gentlemen is phenomenal. It is really, really good, but not for everyone. I'm Alan Partridge. Bottom made it to 45. Yeah. It ain't half hot mum at 46. See, uh, I, when I was a kid, it was ain't half hot mum and dad's army that I watched a lot when I was a little kid. Yeah, which is ain't half hot mum is what war? Ain't half hot mum is the boar war, isn't, isn't it? Okay. Or is it Indian sort of? Somewhere no, like they're either in Africa or India. Okay. Because it's hot and they're in the like variety putting on the shows for the other troops and stuff. Okay. British Empire, which surprised me, was in at 47, where I thought, no, oh, that seemed very niche to me. Yeah. Gimme, gimme, gimme at 48, which. Again, is very niche. It's funny though. Yeah. Yeah. I, the only time I've ever watched it was when Foxtel was, I was at my folks and it was on Foxtel. And it was there was a marathon, so I've only seen it once, and it was in literally <laughs> a six-hour block of it. So I'm done. Up Pompeii, that's old. It's 51. On the buses at 53. Now that's something I I have a nostalgia for this. Like I said, we grew up with a lot of that stuff on our TVs here on the buses and love thy neighbours and that. I'll get you, Blakey. Yep, George and Mildred at 55 that you mentioned. Black Books at 58. See, I would have thought Black Books would have been higher, but yeah. Two points of lager and a packet of crisps. Don't know the show, just like saying it. Yep. Uh, 61, The New Statesman. So Rick Mail got a gig in that, and that was not Yes Minister-esque, but it was sort of in that political satire sort of realm. Spaced at 66. Now, I love space. If we haven't talked about space on here, I'd be surprised. But Edgar Wright directing, Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright writing, and yeah, awesome show. Yeah, I'm not sure if we have actually talked about space. I know we've talked about the movies that they've done together, but mm. I don't know if we've gone back and discussed Space. Space was so good. I haven't gone back. It's, it'll be interesting to see how it's dated, but mm. yeah, that was so good. Bless This House. I used to love a bit of Sid James action. It's 67. Love Thy Neighbour at 68. Very racist, but, you know, it's meant to be. Man About the House in 69. I love that show. There was a boob poster on the wall. Really? Yeah, because he, he had literally had a poster on the wall and it was this topless woman. It's like, this is six o'clock on Channel 2. So I'm we, seeing boobs. When we talked about our spin-off episode, did we mention the fact that... Robin's Nest. Robin's Nest was a spin-off from Man About the House, but isn't Man About the House a spin-off from Georgia Mildred? No, Georgia, Georgia Mildred's a spin-off from Man About the House. Yeah. Mm. And Three's Company, technically a remake of Man About the House. Yes. Uh, so that's not a spin-off. And there's a lot of shows I've never heard of as you keep going down the list. The Dustbin Men. No. no. Uh, Father Dear Father I've heard of because they did Father Dear Father Down Under with Sigrid Thornton. Did they? I think they did a series of A Being Served in Australia as yeah, well. Yeah, they did. Yeah. With it, Shane Bourne was in it. Was he? Mm. Well, very young he must have been. Uh, yeah, not a lot. It gets down to this bottom end of the list in this. Robin's Nest in 97. That's criminal. This is terrible. No. Hmm. Shelley. Do you remember a show called Shelley? I no. vaguely remember it. And number 100 on this list is Whoops Apocalypse, which no. was... Again, never heard of it. I vaguely remember it because he was driving down the street with a bomb that they disguised as a giant cock. And that's the only scene I remember from it. But yeah, that was John Cleese, a lot of the Monty Python guys and stuff at the time. But yeah, fascinating. Now that's while we're speaking about other comedies. So we'll, we'll, we've gone on a bit long, but we'll just uh, sort of continue on a little bit now. The Young Ones was... A culmination of these comedy troupe, essentially. So they did The Young Ones on one channel and they did The Comic Strip Presents on the other. And like you said, 12 episodes, that was it. They were done. And they actually went on and did a few things together. Now, the comedy troupes, Nigel 
planner who was Neil. He had his sort of a character, and he did a two-person act in the co- in the comedy troupe. And Adrian Edmondson and Rick Mayle were sort of a duo that sort of did stuff together. And they continued that on. They did a show following up the young ones called Filthy Rich and Catflap, which I was so excited when it came out because this was coming out. It's like oh, the show from the guys from the young ones. I can't wait for this. And it doesn't have you know Mike the cool person in it, so it's going to be good. <laughs> and from memory, it sucked. Yeah, it wasn't very good. And I can't remember. And it had that same grossness to it. Not quite as not, bad. Not as dirty and grimy, but it was... They're not likeable characters. I suppose that's the thing. Hmm. I couldn't even tell you the plot anymore. Like, Nigel Planner plays, like, a manager or something, and yeah, they just they fight a lot. A band or something, and then he was their manager? or something, I can't yeah. remember, but yeah, they just yell and scream at each other and slapsticky sort of stuff. Yep. And then, a few years later, another show st- came out from Rick Mail and Raby Emerson called Bottom. Yes. Which you adore. Yeah. I ignored for some reason. It just, whatever, for whatever reason, the day it was on, I never watched it and I never hunted it down. We didn't have the catch-up TV we do now. So it's like, if you miss it, you're done. And I didn't care for it enough to hunt it down again. But you've shown me the Ferris wheel episode, I think it yes. is. Yes. The Ferris wheel episode is probably yeah. the go-to episode and it, to it, show. It, it's the extreme cases of the young ones where it's it's the yelling, screaming and ridiculous violence. Yeah. Yeah. Like absurd, over the top, crazy. It just doesn't sit from... My only few episodes that I've seen doesn't have the cleverness that no, the young it's ones It's definitely did. more about the them hitting each other and hurting each other and just strange ones. But yeah, because there's a subtle cleverness to the young ones where bottom, no, 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 it's just gross what? and... Yes and no. There is obviously that Ferris wheel episode is just a corker of an episode. Yep. But there's a Christmas episode that is really clever as well. Do we need to do that for our 12 Days of Christmas specials? Maybe we do. I think so. Yes. <laughs> That's just given me a very good idea. So, yes, I won't spoil that. So tune in in a month's time and we'll probably find that in our 12 Days of Christmas. Excellent. Hmm. But, yeah, the bottom to me, as you said, it wasn't quite as good as the young ones, but it does have its own appeal. But if we were to, like, have a couple of drinks and just put on some tapes, we'd be laughing. Oh, definitely. A lot, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I wouldn't need many drinks. I'd okay. still be laughing a lot. Fair enough. Because they did the movie. Did they do a bottom movie? Or Guest House Paradiso? Guest House Paradiso, but it's not Is really that the a bottom, bottom movie. movie. No, but it's not. It's, they're different <laughs> Don't type named, in bottom movie onto the internet, people. <laughs> different named characters, oh, okay, but so very it's not. similar sort okay. of concept. So it's essentially those two characters, but yeah. not bot- by name only. No. Okay. So out of all the characters, sort of like Rick Mayle probably was the most successful. Like he went he off was, and did other things where I couldn't tell you what else Adrian Edmondson did. Or Well, he was a writer and I think he was married to someone famous. He might have even been married to Jennifer d- Saunders. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So I think he kind of continued writing, whereas yep. Rick Mayall went to the States and he was in Drop Dead Fred. Fred. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought he was going to be huge after that movie. And I, I, I really should go back and watch it, but I love that movie at the time. It was just so absurd. It's like, this is amazing. It's like a live action Roger Rabbit kind I, of thing. I know people that really love Drop Dead Fred, but again, it didn't do a lot for me. Phoebe Cates is kind oh, of Phoebe cute. Cates is great. <laughs> But Carrie yeah. Fisher? Oh, good. I forgot that she was in She's there. a boss. Hmm. He did that and he did The New Statesman, yep. which I don't remember watching enough to talk around saying if it's a good show or not. Yeah, he was in a thing like the storyteller for Jim Henson, but it was called Grim Tales, where it was him narrating children's stories. And that, it was fantastic. Mm. Like, he's just, you know, as a kid, I wasn't a kid at the time, but you'd sit there and you'd be mesmerised by his storytelling. It was fantastic. But probably out of the, all the other things that he did outside of this was probably his Lord Flasher in, in The Black Adder. His appearance in that was phenomenal 
Amazing. Because yeah. he literally is a swashbuckling. He comes swinging in through the window. That's how he enters a room. And that's what was great about Blackadder, the fact that it was different time frames for different series, but they always had the, the relative of Flashheart. He was yes. the pilot in World War One, Two, whichever Two. episode it was. And yep. he was the yeah the, the explorer in the, the old days. Nursey, like the beard. <laughs> Gives me something to hold on to. It's like he was a precursor to um, the Arnold Rimmer from the other dimension. Chris Ace Barry. Rimmer. Yeah. Ace Rimmer. Oh, yeah. Ace yeah. Rimmer, yes. Yeah, it's just a great character. Cause it, and that's the beauty of Black Adder, I suppose, is like Rowan Atkinson's good, but the other characters get to shine. And he definitely milked every scene he was in. It was just awesome. He did. Yeah. yeah, he definitely was the most successful, I think, of the four. Well, on screen anyway. Yeah. Don't know what the I know Nigel Planner cashed in on his Young One's fame at the time and he had an album and he did that Hole in My Shoe song mm-hmm. that actually made it into the charts here in Australia. Yep, that was I, don't, water. I don't think Christopher Ryan's gone on to do much more, but I'm sure if I looked at his IMDb, he'd probably prop up and pop up in some things. Mm-hmm. And Alexi Sale had his own comedy show for about three or four different incarnations. There was the Alexi Sale show, and then there was the new Alexi Sale show, and I think there was one called Alexi Sale Stuff, yep. where he would just sort of do the occasional skit, and then he'd do bits where he just yelled at the camera and talked a lot. Yep, and, and I love that stuff. Yep. So yeah, they they all had their own success. And I forgot to mention as well, like when they did the Comic Strip Presents, they did Bad News, which was kind of the Spinal Tap-esque like heavy metal band. And that was pretty popular. They had uh, a single out and I think they did Bad News and then a couple of years later they did more Bad News. But I think that was only Nigel, Adrian and Rick. It might not have even been Rick, but I don't think Christopher Ryan was in that at all. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, they all did really well, but I think Hugh Laurie did better. I think Stephen Fry did better. I think Jennifer Saunders did okay. I think, you know, I think they all did really, really well afterwards. Yeah. More so. Yeah. Yeah. And even Ben Elton went on to be a more oh, he's written lots writer. of, well, he wrote Thin Blue, didn't he write Blackadder? I think he had something to do I think with um, he didn't write season one from memory. But he did go on to actually write some novels. He wrote Stark and he wrote mm. like a few other things. And Australia's own. We yeah, claimed him say, back in the 90s. Didn't he move out here and he marry married a girl from Perth yes. or something? Yeah. yeah. So it did spawn a lot of careers. Yeah, I've got to say, I, I swear Mighty Boosh and those sort of people, they would have grown up on this. No, they have to yeah. have. Have to have. So have you got any favourite episodes or favourite moments? I, I think there's probably episodes that I really enjoy and there is scenes from those episodes that I enjoy more than others. But I think just even little things, like you said, the the throwaway bits. I went online and I actually looked at the, there was a site that ranked all of the episodes in order of best to worst. Yep. And they did say that Bambi was one of the worst episodes, but I actually really like Bambi. I fondly the, remember that one. The University Challenge yeah. episode. There is lines in that that I just think are just really well done. Like the bit where they're on the train and they're looking at Rick's old high school book and it's Rick is a wanker signed the class sort of thing <laughs> and then Rick's like oh but the teacher loved me and then Neil reads out the I agree with the class signed teacher and yep. just just little things and the good thing is that they all kind of blur into one after a little while mm-hmm. and I know going back over this last couple of weeks when we've been leading up to recording and watching a lot of them in quick succession they do kind of all kind of merge into each other it's like well yeah I remember that and yep. oh, I thought that was in this bit and you know that sort of stuff but I, I don't think there was any dud episodes no. and that's I mean, probably there's, there's always something in one in yeah. one of them and i think that's the joy of only being 
two seasons of six episodes. They, they didn't have filler. No. They could get away with it. If anything, I think the last episode, probably the summer holiday episode, might be the weakest of them all. Well, was there a lot more right off out of the studio? And, yeah. And so you lost that energy. Maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, what about you? What would you say your favourite would be? Just different bits. It's like you said, the asides. Like, I don't know why, but some of these bricks explode brilliant. Yep. Pops in on my head so often like, uh, actually, for no the other, real reason. The other thing that pops in my head a lot is knows it about, knows it about the whole Ben Elton sort of young adults. <laughs> From the same sketch, it's sort of like, I don't, for the thing, you know, it's meant to be like a kid's show, or not a young adult show, because yep. he says it's a young adult show made by young adults for young adults. And it kind of reminded me of The Factory that was on ABC. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But there's a bit where they go and talk to a politician, and he's this old, probably an old comedian actor who's been around from... Other things. I, I did recognise his face, yeah. And he's sort of like, you know, they're meant to be at a disco and they're being young and cool and hip and they're talking to this guy and they're talking to him saying, you know, asking questions about he's, what do you got to do about changing something. He's the career advisor from the university. So That's right. he is, yeah. And he said, you know, so don't forget, chat up a poly if you want to get something done. And his reply is, don't, it doesn't mean I want you to seduce my parrot. And he does this little <laughs> dance where he's so proud of himself for this little gag and that sticks with me. His little dance is what sticks with me because he's so proud of the joke he's told and it's so weird I don't know what that is the thing that sticks with me the most now do you have a favourite young one probably Mike the Corpus I like Mike <laughs> but I think Vivian has to be my favourite because I watch it and going who do I like more and then I was like, but I hate you. And then I hate you. Oh, but I like that. And I can't pick. And I, it's something I get, I sort of get taken out of the show because every time I watch it, and I remember thinking this back in the 90s when I was watching it again. Who do I like more? Oh, he's got some good lines. Oh, but but he drives the story better. And isn't it? I don't know. I, I definitely think Vivian. Yeah, he's the most fun. Yeah. That's for sure. And who would you want to be friends with? It's got to be Vivian. Yeah, Vivian <laughs> as well. And kind of tying back into one of our other episodes where we were talking about wrestling training without actually dropping any names, there there is a few people that I trained wrestling with that kind of remind me a lot of Vivian as far as they're just <laughs> smacking you around and doing stupid things. So, yes. Yeah, so I think that's a good place to end. Why don't you give us all the contact details, Joe? All right, yes, I will. If you have any feedback for us, you can find us on Facebook. We are facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. You can see us on our website. We are themapodcast.podbean.com. And you can see us on Twitter or email. We are email themapodcast.gmail.com. And we are themapodcast on Twitter. And we are getting very, very close to getting to the end of the alphabet. So next episode, we're going to wrap it all up with the letter Z. Z. Not Z. No. Z. Because we're not Americans. We're going to go Z. Yep. So we're not going to do ZZ Top. No, 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 we're not. No. We're no. going to do something a bit more... Z-ish. Z-ish. Yes. So tune in in a couple of weeks for the final of our eight Zs. And then, leading up to Christmas, we'll be back to bombard you for 12 episodes over 12 days when we do our 12 days of Christmas. I'm so looking forward to it. It's your favourite time oh, of I year. I fucking love it. <laughs> like, I love Halloween more because there's a lot more slutty shit going on. But Christmas is great. So, yes, Christmas is coming. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I, 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 I'm not going to do it, but there was... I saw an ad for Hallmark... Because they do the Hallmark Channel. You know, it's all like lovey-dovey. Everyone yep. loves themselves. Everything's good. They have a whole channel. The opposite of the young ones. Yeah. And they've got Christmas movies a lot. And they've got 30-something days of it. And it started in... It started already. 
I think. And it's like telly movies, brand new ones. And there was like <laughs> three of the women from Fuller House was on there. Laurie Lachlan, Jodie Sweetin and Candace Cameron Bure. They were like introducing the countdown to Christmas with all these Christmas movies. So it was going to be like a half hour show dedicated to telling you all the different movies that were coming over the next so many days. I was like, I want to watch that. I don't want to watch the movies. I want to see them talk about the movies. And I was going to put that as one of the episodes we watch. <laughs> but I can't find a copy. I'm so want to see this. Oh, so maybe maybe we can dig one up and maybe that will be one of our I want to see it so bad. It's like, because uh, I think I've talked about it on this podcast before. One of my favorite TV shows is the Time Life yes. um, infomercial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to see all the songs, just a little bit. So it's like, give me this. Give me Laurie Lachlan, Jodie Sweetin, and her sweet, sweet... Sweetens. Sweetens. I, I did kind of tease the idea early on that maybe we would do Yacht Rock for a Y episode, but I think The Young Ones was a better choice. Yeah. All right. All right. On that note, thank you, Mitch. No worries. We will see you soon. Once in every lifetime, comes a love like this. Ha <laughs>